I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. And this is... I'll do it this time. It's right? your turn. Welcome to The One Thing. This is a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centred ministry every single week. And we're live from our Melbourne studio this week, and I'm excited. I have... This is the first friend who's written a book, who's been on the show. All right. We've realised I've got many friends. Yes. Including Mark, yes. who have written books. But this is the first ministry book that we have today. Uh, the One Thing's brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. And you've pressed play on episode 12, Christian Freedom. How does a Christian balance, no, manage the tensions of enjoying God's goodness and sacrificing their lives? We live in a FOMO, JOMO world. That's a that's a new term I've, I've come across, Derek. The joy oh, of missing out. You're so hip. So hip. So yeah. hip. Down with my kids. I learned another phrase tonight while texting my daughter. Our, our culture tells us to expect happiness and fulfillment. And as a parent, I find it hard not to feel the subtle pressure to provide, you know, always for my four girls. But the reality of life under the sun is that the everyday circumstances of life, the highs, the lows, they're full of mundane stuff. And the multiple options, choices and sacrifices that we have, well, when we say yes to something, we've got to say no to something else. Our createdness limits us to 168 hours in the week. And today I'm really excited to be exploring these tensions with Mikey Lynch. Aren't you glad you're tuning into The One Thing this week? I am. This is good. I love the... Can I say, so I love the like, look of your book. It's Thank beautiful. You. Do you pick the cover? No. How does this work this I world? had a whole different vision for both the title and oh, the cover. So oh, really? So genius there is totally up to the publisher. Can you, are you allowed to tell us the title you had in mind? It's, it's almost like they just changed a couple of the words because so right. that they could have authority. So mine was living well in yeah. the last days. Um, living well at the end of the world. That was my line. Living well at the end of the world. And I had a vision of like, I don't know, someone living um, like at the top of some massive Dr. Zeus-like cliff huddling around a campfire <laughs> or something. That'd be a cool, That's you know, um, a book cover or some improbable Scandinavian ice hut or something. That was my vision for the cover. Instead, we've got an ice cream. But what I like is if you think about it, the ice cream on the cover is slowly melting. Yeah, you know, and so they're, they're here is, there is a sense of temporal yeah. past. The world in its present form is passing away. Or, dis- or despair. I would say. We'll come back to that because it's not really, and that's yeah. part of the book, but anyway. I thought the, co- yeah, I thought the cover was genius. In fact, I actually wanted to see sort of postscript of it squashed on a you know sunburnt pavement and, and just getting destroyed. <laughs> but- what I do like um, is uh, there's a bit of the, the, the look and feel, I think, captures something which I think is important about the book, which is although it's written by a bloke and very relevant to blokes, I think it deals with an issue that women often feel as well because women often feel more immediately the complexities of life and commitments and relationships. And so just a little bit of what you could call a stereotypically feminine cover, I think is good. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, in a sense, I think you, you don't look at that and just go, this is a theology bloke for him. So just before we get into uh, picking your brains around uh, what you've written in here, you are, um, you're the campus director of the University Fellowship of Christians in Tassie, the University of Tasmania. The actual name of the book is The Good Life in the Last Days. That's the actual name of the book. Uh, so you're going to talk to us today, and the book is trying to help us work out what good choices are in life, what that looks like from a biblical perspective with the tensions we have each, uh, each day that we face. Uh, and so, Mikey, welcome to The One Thing. Thanks for having me. Now, Mikey, I'm really enjoying the book. Uh, I think it's it's really helpful in in fleshing out the tensions that we face in the Christian life. So can you can you share some of those? Well, it's a book that I think is relevant to anyone who's wanting to live really seriously in the light of eternity 
And that's why you start churches and come to Geneva to get assessed, mm. is because you think that we need to reach the world. One of the great ways to do that is starting new churches. Um, and so if you're someone like that, who's wanting to live with integrity in the light of the end of the world, and then you're trying to encourage a congregation of people and team members to live in the light of the end of the world, you almost immediately face in your own experience, as well as in the responses and questions and reactions of your congregation, but what about, you know, what about the the house that needs a fresh coat of paint? What about exercise? What about sleep? What about Netflix? You know, like how much of these things are permissible? How do you know how much is permissible? How much should you allow, <laughs> mm. you know, in your leadership? And how much should you somehow try and provide guidelines? They're the kind of tensions I think we feel all the time. And I think we kick ourselves over. And I think we kick our congregations over as well sometimes. And one of the issues you sort of raise is that the volume, the volume on the the sort of big picture stuff is the same as the volume on the little stuff. Love your wife, uh, love God, uh, you know, serve others, be involved in your local church. gets the same amount of noise as don't drink alcohol or don't play cards or don't go dancing. You know, they're given the the same volume and the same noise. But actually... There's freedom, as you talk about in the book. Yeah, and a challenge I think we have as pastors and leaders and planters is when you want to say, Jesus gives the command to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything I command you and baptizing and so on. Um, And so we want to lay that command of Jesus upon his people as something that we all share in, right? Um, And then we've figured out as a church particular ways to do that in this particular local church. And so then we find ourselves preaching on Matthew 28 and saying, therefore, that's why you must plug into this or that program, invite friends to this or that evangelistic course, do life together in a way that the latest book that I read says that we should. And that gets, like to use your word, the volume, the same volume. And so we've turned up the volume as loud on our local church strategy and expectations of our members as we have on the Great Commission. Mm. But is it possible you could have a member in your church for whatever reason who may not be able to plug into the programs of your church, but still is, in good conscience, a deeply zealous, committed, Great Commission Christian. Mm. Some of them work for parachurches like Geneva Push, who can't do it all the time because maybe they're traveling around the country, for example. Do you see? Yeah, yep, so. absolutely. Yep. We had this conversation a while ago on uh, text message about Driscoll and my Driscoll moment, and you had a radical upbringing. You know, you, your teenage years, there were some formative things that happened, and uh, you guys planted churches down in Hobart in rapid succession, uh, sometimes doing things, which I'm sure you look back and think, I wouldn't do that that this way now. Is, is part of this what I'm hearing? Are you getting soft? Like, is this, is this a reaction to... I'm tired. I'm, that's right. Old. I can't be bother arguing the hard things anymore. So we'll just say, it doesn't, just get the big things right and the rest will fall into place. Yeah. You are? All right, <laughs> next question. Yeah. Is, is it possible that some of what we call selling out is getting tired and weary and uh, no longer having the courage and the strength to... To stand for things and at the same time sometimes part of what we call getting old is actually seeing a bigger picture and seeing things more fully and truly Mm. i think it was i don't know let's say it was george burdenshaw i think it was him who said that um anyone who's not a communist when they're like 18 doesn't have a heart and anyone who's still a communist when they're 30 doesn't have a brain (laughs) and and i think with some of these things it can be a little like that where where Mm. the ideal and the the raw spartan sacrificial radicalness that i definitely felt when i first became a christian from a non-christian background um and uh 
and was striving to really live in the light of eternity. Um, if you don't respond something like that to the gospel, then you don't have a heart. But if you're still, I guess this is the thing, right? If you're still trying to do that, you know, 30, 35, 40, 45, and forcing that on a church who now has a much more complex and and challenging life, trying to expect them to still live the way you can kind of get away living when you're 21, mm. then you don't <laughs> you don't have a brain. It's just there's there's more to life and there's more to the godly life and there's more to the Bible's teaching about the godly life in the last days than that. Yeah. So I think it's actually I like to think it's more that mm. than just getting old, fat, and tired. We're going to hear more from uh, Mike in a little bit, but we've got loads of top stuff to come. But before we get there, we're going to take a quick break to crack open the One Thing Toolbox. So if Mikey's got you thinking about how to make the hard choices between Christian freedom and Christian mission, then let me suggest a few more resources that are going to sharpen your thinking. So obviously you want to buy the book, The Good Life. It's available uh, from Matthias Media. In the show notes, we'll make it as easy as possible to to get the book. Uh, Get the book, buy it. It's a great read. Secondly... Sorry, I'm just going to say here, the first three people who like this book uh, who like this podcast, I'm going to send them personally a book. How about that? Oh, and I'll sign it. And Mike will sign it. You can't do that because we're like at the 40, 40th, you know, people have already liked it. My kids have already liked this, the podcast. We'll send it to them. This book's so great that Scott's almost <laughs> write finished Write a it. question. <laughs> write a question and we'll give you a book. That's write a good. question. Write a question. I like that. Yep. Do something that, you know, we can get done. That's okay. where you're the boss, Scott. Second, second, re- second resource. Well, it's actually three resources. Uh, I think this book is a great book to give to someone who's yeah, checking out Christianity because I think it's I think the gospel's really you know clear throughout. But let me give you three better resources for giving giving away. Uh, the first is uh, the Prodigal God by Tim Keller, uh, and another book, The Reason for God. These are both both great books to give away or to read through with someone at a book club. We're thinking about you know Christian freedom and Christian mission. Great resource to give away. The other the other is um, a classic book uh, in this sort of area, Guidance and the Voice of God by Tony Payne and Jensen. Another great book to give to a new Christian um, or someone you know thinking about well how do you, how do you make decisions um, in this life? And then the final one. Well, what I've loved about Mikey's book is that it's saturated in the Word of God. Uh, it's a, again another great reminder to me of the powerful Word of God. So the Word one to one is just a simple resource where you can actually read the Bible um, with others. Uh, there you go. Resources that are actually going to help you engage with the non-Christian coming out of a book that's actually about making decisions. Check out the toolbox this week. So we're trying to have Mikey back here. Let me just push back the conversation we, we touched on beforehand uh, where life is, you know, just life is more complex and you see that as you get older. Uh, how do you decide then? Because you've still got to decide stuff. So in the increasing awareness of complexity, where where have you landed in, in your thinking? So uh, the, the first couple of chapters in the book talk about how the complexity in the world is God's design. God made a world with a whole lot of stuff that's not God. Uh, and so that even before the fall in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve would have had to have spent a whole lot of time doing a whole lot of stuff that wasn't meditating on God's word and praying and sleeping and making love and farming and raising kids, all sorts of stuff. And, and so the, the first couple of chapters in the book really say... The way you figure out then how to live in a complex world is by figuring out who you are and what the things you're coming into contact are. And so the little slogan I've got there that you quite liked, I think, Scott, was the idea of going, you've got to love every person and treat everything as they are, where they are, when they are, while also knowing who you are and where you are and when you are. So it's in a sense contextualizing love by going, 
where, how do I fit in relationship to others? And so therefore, what's my duties and relationships to them also through time, mm. you know? Um, while doing all of that in the overarching um, motive and perspective of loving God, first of all, above all things and seeing him as the ultimate, you know, origin and goal and uh, and the central defining kind of meaning of all things. So, so that's the kind of first chunk of the, the book is really saying when you get loving God right and contextualize love of others right, mm. a lot of things become clearer in that process. Then the, the middle three chapters of the book explore what the Bible really means by sacrifice, uh, what it does and doesn't mean, and what it does and doesn't mean, and why it's actually a good life to live. Then the final chapters of the book look at how, uh, how, how we listen to and are shaped by the Word of God, um, and how the Word of God uh, teaches us to understand uh, contentment, understand our uniqueness, under, uh, have a realism about our limitations, and within that then uh, to have a range of freedoms, including the freedom to choose between multiple good options. Hmm. So that, that's kind of, you've got to read the whole book. That's, yeah, that's yeah. But, um, that's, but that's, the, that's the kind of framework I'm trying to sort of unpack. So can I zero in then, Christian ministry, which is complex because uh, you have a thousand competing good priorities as well as your family, uh, your friends, your responsibility to God as an individual uh, before him, how does this stuff come to bear on Christian ministry and how does it inform how we balance and decide and manage tension? For us as individuals, we need to recognise that we as individuals are in a web of relationships and responsibilities, one of which is pastoring the church, one of which is if we're married, also loving our wives and laying down our lives for them. And if we have kids, then caring and nurturing them. And if we have neighbours, then being a good citizen to them. And so so first of all, it's realising that unless you're the single pastor planter, you've got a whole lot of responsibilities and even if you are single, you still have a significant number of responsibilities. Mm. And so you can't be like a pure angelic force of church planting power. <laughs> mm. You know, you've got to actually take into account all these other factors mm. as you lead the church. Um, and then as you lead the church itself, you want to put what is of first importance in God's word as the thing which rules the church, the supremacy of the word and sufficiency of the church and rule of the church. Uh, but then actually allow freedom that God gives his people freedom of their conscience to make the decisions and live in response to God in the details that God doesn't speak to. So, so that, that's some of the stuff that I try and explore in the book. I think often uh, we can lack confidence that the word and the spirit in the individual Christians in our congregation will do its work. And so we try and do that work for it by getting in their heads and mm. trying to start treating them as our, our flock of sheep as dumb sheep who need to be told and need to be steered and need to be pushed um so yeah. the matthew 28 connection to join this growth group that's right equivalent yep yeah mm. well that brings us to the end of the show so mikey what's the one thing people should be taking away when it comes to christian freedom i i quote um kevin de young who has a great line about this and in some ways this book is unpacking the awesome uh epilogue to his book what is the mission of the church or him and greg gilbert's book what is the mission of the church where he has this great line in the, the epilogue which is well worth a read in whack it in your toolbox scott um is um he says go big on the big principles and not so big on the specific applications so that's the one thing i'd say for our own guilt and um and drive as well as for the way we pastor our church plants is go big on the big principles um and uh, not so big on the specific applications uh, now you've heard the podcast, why not read the book? Uh, we are giving away three copies. You ask a question, 
First three questions, we'll get a copy of the book. We would love to send it to you. That's right. We're now in the the uh, gift giving book giving away business. <laughs> yeah, you are so articulate, Scott. You are so <laughs> articulate. That's why you've got your very own podcast. Look, we would love you to buy buy the book as well. But for other resources, you can dig back into One Thing Vault, discover every episode you've missed. This groundbreaking series. All the past episodes are there. All the links, the resources, show notes. We want to equip you for gospel ministry wherever you are. GenevaPush.com slash the one thing. It's been great having you, Mikey. Thanks for having me. And thank you for kicking play on another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next episode, we're going to be coming to you live from the main stage of Multiply 18, our national conference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, prominent Christian blogger and internet agent provocateur, Steve McAlpine. I love Steve. He's going to be talking about proclaiming and uh, persuading. He's the best dressed man I know, to be honest, Steve. And it's going to be great to have it. He'll be live from Multiply tomorrow night at The One Thing. I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon.